0: had words of affirmation Uh, maybe uh, you saw your grandma and she said you're the most wonderful thing in the world (laughs) she patted you on the head or whatever they do in your family Uh, maybe you saw I know you saw somebody in your family who just put their arms around you and welcomed you home but maybe you saw somebody and there was hurtful hurtful memories maybe there's been rejection or pain Uh, maybe you tried to reach out Uh, We're going to talk in a few moments about those challenges. Maybe you did. You tried to reach out, and and you just got stiff-armed. No response. The world needs you like never before. Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. There's work that if you don't do it, it will not get done. And God has called you to this world, to this hour. The world needs you like never before. What kind of people does the world need? I mean, y'all look pretty happy this morning. Nice to see each other, right? It's good to be back together. Thank you, uh, for Professor Rhino. She's, there she is. Uh, for leading us in worship and the team. I mean, I, I just could hardly wait for this morning to get to worship with you, to get to sing with you. And I've, I, I don't know, some of you have been to some places. I think I saw, Oliver, you were down at Passion. Were there like 8,000? 20,000, that's close, right? Rounding, it was a rounding error, sorry dude, 20,000. Zach was there too. Uh, Some of us were at a meeting in Orlando called The Gathering. Uh, There were like 2,100 pastors and spouses who came to this kind of focused time together and some powerful worship. We were led by Scott and Elizabeth Ryan on one of the sessions, Mo Diggs, who's one of our alumni, led one of the sessions in worship, Um, just powerful times. Some of you have had those six hours of solitude. I, I, I did. I know some of you you'd put that on your list, okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, some of you had those spiritually strategic conversations, and I did, and I'll tell you a little bit of one of those. Uh, some of you were prompted to do something um, with radical generosity, right, to do something like crazy, to give something away you just didn't have. and were, we were kind of going through the, the holiday season, and everything had been just kind of, you know, reciprocal giving. You know, you give something to somebody, and you're getting something back, and there's just kind of, it's all evened out there. But uh, before our time away was over, there was a moment when God pressed something on my heart, something that Sharon and I could do. And uh, in, in the best of times, it would still been a pretty significant thing to do. When I don't have a job and I don't know what's happening next, it seemed even bigger, but God's bigger yet. So it was like, okay, God, I'm in. Kept me in. So that was a fun thing to do. So I don't know what, uh, what all you've experienced. And again, Professor Lee, thanks for that prayer. Wow. Um, I don't know what you've been through. For, for many of you, it's, it was great. Great to be away. For some of you, uh, it was one of the hardest things just to hang on, just to be faithful. It was hard. And I just, just want to tell you, I'm glad you're back. You're here on purpose. Because the world has never needed you more. But what kind of people does it need? Well, we have a a motto around here, uh, kind of a a tagline, and that's, we are called to equip Christ-like servant leaders for global impact. Christ-like servant leaders for global impact. And uh, this semester, we're going to unpack that in in sort of three phases, three themes. Uh, The three themes are this, the the theme of purity, the theme of power, and the theme of passion. And uh, I really appreciate having a chance to, to process that and think ahead about that a little bit. Uh, and they fit so well together. Uh, I, I thought about how dangerous it can be to have two of them without the other. For example, if, if you've got lots of passion and lots of power but no purity, you're a dangerous person. <laughs> and there have been people. I, I was reading an account again of uh, Jim Jones who led a whole group of people. If, if Some of you are probably too young to remember this, but Jim Jones led a whole group, hundreds of people down to Guyana and there in this cult-like environment eventually comes to this point of crisis where he literally instructs them parents to feed poison to their kids and kool-aid they drink it the parents drink it everybody dies on the on the orders of this madman in the guise of religion and there's a guy who had power and a guy certainly had some passion but the purity was far far from the equation that's a dangerous combination you can have purity and have passion but have no power (laughs) that's that's kind of weak that's kind of inept that's pretty inefficient Um, you know the the disciples had this purity thing going on that Jesus had been really working on them for three years Uh, and they certainly were passionate I mean you know you got Peter there in the in the garden whipping out the sword and knocking off ears right that's that's passion but uh, there was a there was a missing element and Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 I want you to tarry or wait remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you will have power So you can can have passion and run around and (laughs) froth off the mouth and do all kinds of crazy stuff, but until you have that sense of anointing, that sense of God's power, his blessing, um, that's pretty inept. And you can have power and you can have purity, but have no passion. I think that's probably the hardest thing. If you've got real purity and you've got real power, I think those two things together are dangerous enough i mean like this, like this combination there's this, this kind of thing that happens it tends to fuel toward passion but it's possible to lose your passion maybe you've had that experience you know you went out you had a pure heart and and you were going to the power of the spirit man you got knocked down you got criticized you were betrayed stabbed the back and you're just like just gonna play it safe i mean the power is latent now it's there and the purity's there, but man, your, your passion has just been drained out of you. Well, over this semester, we're gonna focus on those three on purity. I just love the gospel that we have. I love the fact that we're declared righteous. I'm grateful for imputed, for imparted righteousness. I'm grateful that, that God has declared us righteous. but I'm grateful for imparted righteousness, that we are made clean that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and not just check us off a box, but actually do a transforming work in our heart and said, and you are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Don't you want to live there? And for some of you over the last few weeks, the truth is you failed. You blew it. It may have been words spoken in anger. It may have been lust. It may have been some kind of addictive behavior that you thought was completely out of control and it reemerged while you're home. And today you just, you don't feel as clean as you did when you left. Can I tell you, the blood of Jesus still applies. In a few moments, we're gonna take community together. and There's not one thing you've done, one thing you've said, one thing you've thought that the blood of Jesus cannot fully atone. We're going to be pure people. If we're going to be used by God in a world that desperately needs us, we've got to be people of purity. We have to be people of power. I'm so pleased that this is going to be a great semester. We've got some amazing speakers coming. Uh, one of those is a dear friend of mine, Mark Wilson. And Mark is kind of this uh, David, you know, kind of dude. Like, he's, he's not real big, but man, he is big in God. He is, he is powerful in what God's done in his life and does through him. We're going to have a great time. The week we call it, some of you have been around before, but if you're a freshman, we call it Infuse. The thought is it's not just something out here, but it's a work that God wants to do. He wants to bring it in and infuse us till till we just sense his image, we sense his power, we sense his presence in our lives. And I'm looking forward to Infuse Week with Mark Wilson. But there is power. There is power. It's not just up to us. It's not just our strength. There's an anointing. And for those of you who have ministered for some time, you know the difference, right? You know the difference when you get up and man, you've been working hard. Maybe you prepared really hard too, but you you get up and it just feels like it's just flat, and you're just forcing it. And then you know those moments when you feel like, boy, in your flesh, you've been weak, and you've tried, but it, you just don't feel like you've got your best material, or you just you haven't got your best presentation, or the songs just didn't go that great in practice. And you get up, and you're just like, God, if you don't show up, we're in a mess here. And God shows up, and <laughs> like. And you know the difference. How many of you have ever been there? You've had that experience, right? Yeah. If you haven't yet ministry, pray for that. Because there's there's moments when you just realize it's clearly not my abilities. It's not my talents. There's an anointing from God that can rest upon it. And he wants to consecrate our very best efforts. Please don't misunderstand me. Don't bring blemished lambs before the altar and and automatically assume that God has to bless it just because you brought it. But when you've done the best you can do and you still feel like your best is inadequate, it's just not enough for the task, and we have a God who comes through. And it's amazing. And for those of you who have that experience, uh, you sense that there's this power and, and we can live there. We can experience that on an ongoing basis. And then passion. This is the sense of urgency, a sense of a full engagement. Like I am... I'm going to wrestle this thing down. I just love that word picture of Jacob wrestling the angel who says, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, maybe some of you have had a class like that, right? <laughs> I, maybe it was Greek exegesis, so I'm not sure. I'm not going to let you go till I get some blessing. God, I know there's truth in here. I know there's something I need in this class, and I am not going to let this go. I'm not just going to kind of pass in papers. God, I want to figure out what is it you're trying to say to me. I'm going to wrestle this thing down. I will not glow, let it go until you bless me. For some of you, it's just the experience of being here. Maybe your parents or friends think you're stupid for being here. It's crazy. Uh, You look at the student debt, and you think, man, I could be buying a new car every year at that rate. You know, this is crazy. And and you look at some of those things, and you're just like, ah. But there's a passion that drives people who make a difference. They're like, whatever it takes, whatever the cost, I'm all in. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make it happen. When I think about these words, purity, power, and passion, there's three little phrases that kind of jumped out of me. Uh, under purity was I am. Purity, I am. Under power was I can. I can. And under passion was I will. I will. I am. It all starts with our identity in Christ. It all starts with that point of surrender, that point of cleansing. That God wants to use people whose hearts are open, whose hands are clean. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Those with pure heart, with clean hands. Starts there. But he calls us into power. He wants us to be able to say, I can. And of course, with, with Paul, we can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. I can. If God called you to do it, he will give you the power to see you through it. And the passion. I will or I must. I must. The sense of urgency. I've got to go for this. Thing. Now, we're going to use a Benediction. Uh, this semester. Last semester, you all probably got that one nailed down, right? But Mrs. Rhino wants to keep us on our toes, so we've got a new benediction we're going to work with this semester. And it was great, Ms. Rhino, because as I was looking at your benediction, it actually has the three themes, but you probably knew that. You're just so strategic. Oh, man. The three themes are right in there. So, Jude chapter 1, since there's only one. Good. All right. Just checking those New Testament, right? In in, In Jude, verses 24 and 25. Uh, we're going to be using this benediction, and it maybe it's on the board. Is it up there? Can we throw it up? To him who is able, well, just read it with me. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord for all ages now and forevermore amen so as I'm looking through this I I see purity he's able to present you before his glorious presence without fault are you there yet and if not what is the thing that God puts his finger on I love the way God works in our life you know the difference between conviction and condemnation don't you by now I hope so if not just a little reminder for those who do and a little jump start for those who don't. Uh, condemnation is this general sense of being overwhelmed by guilt and by shame, this general sense that, that God just doesn't love me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rotten, dirty sinner, there's nothing I've got, that God doesn't give a rip about me. It's this heaviness, it's condemnation, and it's, it's always my sense, my experience, it's always a sort of general. And maybe there's a thing or two that it hangs on, but it's general. And it's like there's really no, just give up, just forget about it. Anybody ever felt condemnation? Oh, three or four of us, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. The conviction, in my experience at least, has been totally different from that. It comes with a sense of God loves me, but He will not let this slide. There's an issue, He puts His finger on it, it's really clear. But there's a way forward. There's a way forward. That always comes with confession, repentance, get up and move on. Um, but there's this, I, I thank God for his conviction. We, we want it, long for it, pray for it. Uh, David's praying, God, show me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Show it. I want to see it because I want to work on it. And when you have this general sense of condemnation, it, it, except as a believer, say, enemy, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I am a blood-bought child of God. And Holy Spirit, if there's something specific you want me to deal with now, some step you want me to take, I'm in. I want to do it. But I will not buy this lie of the enemy that God doesn't love me and that I'm condemned and that there's no hope. I'm not going to accept that. That's a lie from the enemy. So this purity is something we're pressing into. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And this communion is shared this morning. What a great time just to seal it. Lord, if there's something I need to make right, if there's a relationship here, it needs to be mended. God, I'm, I'm in. I'll take the first step. You remember I gave you some challenges, right, as you went to the holidays? Anybody remember what they were? What was, uh, what was one of them? Try to have three meaningful conversations, spiritual conversations. Okay, what was another one? What was that? Have your six hours of solitude, right? The day alone with God. Is that Tia that jumped in there? Oh, no, I have something there back here. Okay. <laughs> And uh, what was the third one? An act of generosity. Okay, how many did at least one of those things? You're like, yeah, I did one. Great. All right, outstanding. How many say, man, I was in for two. I went for two. All right. How many got crazy and did all three? Good job. All right. Well, good, good. Uh, as I said, the, the generosity thing was, I was like, Come on, Lord, I want to know like, what I 'm supposed to do. That one w- was late in the in the break we had, but it came, and it was a it was a very meaningful moment um, the, the solitude uh, six hours it was great, uh, quiet. I uh, had to be careful not to fall asleep. Anybody ever had that issue in your solitude it 's like okay lord i 'm still here i 'm still here. Of course, Elijah, I guess had some meaningful experiences and you know anyway, but anyway, I, I stayed awake and it was good, and I always appreciate those times, although i 'm not uh, as much of an introvert as I am, six hours of, of being quiet like that is, is a discipline. I've got to decide I'm going to do that. But the thing that uh, I think God worked on me the most was, was in the conversation. I didn't, I didn't have three. I had, I had one, but I, I entered into that with some fear and trembling. Uh, the, one of the thoughts was that we'd be with people that didn't know the Lord. Uh, for me, the thing that God pressed on my heart was a relationship that I had that wasn't good. I'd known this guy for, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years. And at times we had worked really close and we'd had enjoyed a good friendship over the years Uh, through distance, time, space kind of stuff. uh, There'd been separation. And then there were some things that happened and I'm not, the thing that God pressed on my heart was, Mark, even if you think he was wrong, your attitude wasn't right either. And that was hard for me. I I kind of felt justified. and like, yeah, but what he did was so wrong. Mark, that's not the issue I'm dealing with you. It's, It's not about what he did. It's about what you're feeling in your heart. See, I allowed some judgment. And boy, I tell you, you're doing your Bible readings. It's amazing how themes kind of pop out and just smack it. Like, okay, okay, I'm getting it. All right, I got it. This idea of being judgmental. As I'm reading through Romans, it just kept leaping out at me. I was like, ah, all right, God, because... Maybe if I'd known everything he knew, had all the facts that he'd had, maybe I would have made the same decision. Maybe I wouldn't. Bottom line, it wasn't my decision to make. And I was sitting at a distance, and it formed an opinion, and allowed an attitude to develop in my heart that when other people said, I think what he did was stupid, guess what I said? yeah you're right <laughs> I sure agree with you I sure agree with you and all of a sudden I went from having an attitude in my heart to speaking words out of my mouth that were wrong that were sinful and I knew that he knew a little bit about it I mean, you know the, the, the Christian family you're a part of is not that big we're, we're all kind of interconnected right so I knew he knew a little bit about it um, I I reached out to him and just said, "Hey, when we're together, this event's coming up. uh, Could I, could I have some of your time?" And he graciously agreed to do that. And I had to sit down across from this brother and confess to him that I had allowed an attitude in my heart that was wrong, and I had spoken words out of my mouth against him that were wrong, and I needed to ask his forgiveness. I needed to confess that, ask his forgiveness. And a covenant with him that I would never, ever—God being my helper—I would never, ever say anything destructive or unkind or untrue about him ever again. That was tough. You know, I'm I'm 55 years old. I'm supposed to have that stuff all figured out, right? That's supposed not stuff to happen. You would never do that, Mirae, <laughs> but I did that. So. And uh, to be in that moment and just to be humbled by God, um, yeah, I cried. And I'm thankful that He graciously received that. And uh, we took some first steps and were able to reconnect a couple of times after that. And there was just a sense of having a heart that was clear. And that's priceless. To have a heart that's clear, that's priceless. So he's able to present you before his glorious presence without fault. Purity is possible, but it comes as we obey the promptings of the Spirit, as we confess, as we make things right. Um, He's able to present us without fault. And then he's able to do it with great joy. And when I thought about the great joy thing, I thought about the passion part. You know, the the sense of of acceleration and the sense of being all in and the sense of uh, pressing forward. It, It so characterized Paul's life. He talks about, for example, that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, the passion of that. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, he talks about his own ministry. He says, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ, to this end I strenuously contend. That's passionate. I strenuously contend. I am going for it. And power. That power can be a might. Uh, you know strength but there's also an aspect of power that is authority that is right in John chapter 1 verse 12 and it says to those who believed in him to, as many, to to those who received him to as many who believed in his name he gave to them the power that's not the strength that's the, the right the opportunity the privilege of it uh, I have a, a marriage license and I have the authority I have the power to kiss my wife you don't <laughs> well <laughs> Jordan can but I mean other than that you know back off Uh, And the same thing, uh, Jordan's supposed to be working on a driver's license, right? Uh, Right now, she does not have the power to drive my car. Uh, Now She has the physical strength. She could do it. But she has not been granted the authority to do it. But there is an authority that comes and a right that is ours. And in this, he talks about he is able. It's not our power. This is never our power. It's always his, what he's able to do in us and through us. So now to him who's able, his power to keep you from stumbling, purity, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, purity, and with great joy, passion, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. John Wesley uh, characterized these. And I'm doing some study and reading these days on Wesley and uh, actually trying to put a book proposal together, so pray for me. Um... But he wrote in a letter to Charles Peronais in 1774, he said, if we could bring all of our preachers uniformly and steadily to insist on these two points, Christ dying for us and Christ reigning in us, we could shake the trembling gates of hell. Christ dying for us, Christ reigning in us, purity and power, we could... Shake the trembling gates of hell. The world needs you as never before. It needs people who are pure, people who are powerful, and people who are passionate. And the good news is God has all of the above for you today, here and now. I want to invite you to pray as we prepare our hearts. We have an opportunity to share this morning I don't think I brought my outline up with me. We have an opportunity to share in the covenant prayers. That making my sequence right here. Thank you very much. It is a prayer that John Wesley uh, prayed himself, and then began to encourage his leaders and then the members of what was the Methodist revival movement to pray this prayer. And I believe it's going to be on the screen for us in just a moment. It is a prayer that if uh, you're my friend on Facebook, you already have seen it. Uh, I post it there. It's a great reminder of what it means to be sold out, to be a person who wants to be, a person who's pure, a person who's powerful, and a person who's passionate. So I want to invite you to stand, and uh, I'm going to read some of it, and um, I'm not sure how long this is, so let's, let's see. "'Let us gather here before the Lord now in covenant, commit ourselves to Christ as his servants.' Let us give ourselves to him so that we may fully belong to him. Jesus Christ has left us with many services to be done. Some of these are easy and honorable, but some are difficult and disgraceful. Some line up with our desires and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we please both Christ and ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. So Jesus Christ, we offer you this prayer let's pray let me be your servant let me follow your commands i will no longer follow my own desires i give myself completely to your will the power and strength to live as true servants is given to us in christ we accept the place and work that he gives us acknowledging that he alone will be our reward let us pray together i am not my own I am yours alone. Make me into what you will. Rank me with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Let me be lifted high for you. Let me be brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. With a willing heart. I freely give everything to your pleasure and disposal. Christ is Savior to those who are his true servants. He's a source of all salvation to those who obey. To be his servant is to consent fully to his will. Christ accepts nothing less. Christ will be all in all or he will be nothing. We're going to pray together and then prepare to receive communion. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have in this semester to press into you. Thank you for calling us to this place. Thank you for creating this community, this expression of your body. We are not the church exclusively, but we are included in your church today. And in this expression of faith, in this community of learning, we pray, oh God, that we will be increasingly people of purity, people of power, and people of passion we pray that the words of surrender the words of covenanting will not simply be recitations but they they will be the cry of our heart our deepest longing to be fully surrendered to be all in because as we celebrate communion in these moments we are reminded that nothing less than your best nothing less than your all was adequate to redeem us and you gave it gladly For the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross for us. And so as we partake here now of these elements, would you consecrate them, make them to us a means of grace. And in this hour, Lord, may we commune with you and with each other. By these means we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.